everyone, and welcome back to the Right Life Project podcast. It's been a little while since the last episode, and that's because I've been really busy engaging with people face-to-face recently. I've been out talking about RLP and the Right Life approach with people in general, and also marketing a couple of new products that I put together, Right Life for Lawyers and Right Life for Healthcare. Those are programs that I designed specifically to address the challenges that attorneys, doctors, and nurses face in achieving their full potential, as well as their workplaces. In those programs, I work with individual employees and the organization to help get everyone firing on all cylinders. So those efforts have taken a lot of my time recently, and I've missed being in touch with you through the podcast and blog, so I'm happy to be talking to you today. The idea for today's topic actually came from other experiences I've been having lately with respect to another Right Life Project initiative, which is reaching out and being able to help more people by focusing more on things like social media and other publicity efforts. Man, you know, it's really challenging to reach people these days because there are just so many people out there vying for attention, and especially with the internet, so many channels they can use to do that. We're just inundated with information and people wanting a piece of your time and attention. For me, this process is making me even more appreciative than I already was that you're spending some of your time to listen to me. Sometimes all of that competition also makes it challenging to keep plowing ahead. And as a result, I think my next article will be about perseverance. So hopefully I'll get that up soon. But for today, I'd like to talk a little bit about all the content you see out there in the world that purports to help you feel better or to be happier. I'm talking about things like books, articles, internet memes with feel-good truisms overlaid on a picture. A lot of it doesn't really do what it claims to do. Let me start to explain by talking about a movie that's one of my favorites, The Departed. If you haven't seen it, Here's a quick overview. It's a Martin Scorsese film starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Matt Damon, Jack Nicholson, Alec Baldwin, Mark Wahlberg, and Martin Sheen. Basically, the movie pits Jack Nicholson's criminal organization against the Massachusetts State Police. But that larger conflict just sets the stage for the real drama, the duplicity of double agents involved on both sides of the conflict. Matt Damon is a state trooper who's really on Jack Nicholson's gang's payroll. He's feeding him inside information about the police investigation into him. And Leonardo DiCaprio is a state trooper who's working deep undercover with Nicholson's outfit, feeding the police inside information about it. And neither Matt Damon nor Leonardo DiCaprio know about each other. So that's the basic setup. So there's this scene early in the film when the troopers are recruiting Leo to do this undercover work, and Martin Sheen and Mark Wahlberg, the Massachusetts cops, pose this question to him. I wish I could do a Boston accent without embarrassing myself, but they ask him this, do you want to be a cop, or do you want to appear to be a cop? In other words, do you want the experience of walking around with a uniform and gun, handing out tickets and such, the image that comes to mind when you think of a cop? Or are you willing to forego that to do the undercover work that we really need done in order to make a real difference? 
In the movie, Martin Sheen notes that most of their colleagues just want to appear to be cops. Leo says that he actually wants to be a cop. And of course, that was the answer they were looking for. The real work that needs to be done in the movie, the undercover work, has nothing to do with the image of a cop. In fact, appearing to be one would prevent that work from getting done, since obviously a cop in uniform would have a hard time infiltrating a criminal gang. Now, I'm about to argue that the same principle holds true for you and your efforts to achieve well-being. As I mentioned, lately I've been super busy getting out to expose RLP to a larger audience. That there are so many people clamoring for attention is challenging enough, but it's especially difficult to get people's attention if what you're marketing isn't superficial or involves people having to make some kind of effort or face something they'd rather not face. People want positive change without risk or effort. Rather, I should say that's what people's primitive brains want. This is something I talk about on the blog quite a bit, and also in the Right Life Guide, and also in Podcast 6. The most primitive, subcortical parts of our brains are concerned with survival, which translates to gravitating toward ease and pleasure, and avoiding difficulty and discomfort. Hence, we have get-rich-quick schemes and miraculous weight-loss pills. Online, there's also something called the listicle, a cross between a list and an article. They're the ones that give you three or five or ten bullet points about how to be happier or less stressed or have a better relationship or whatever. There are longer-form variations on the same philosophy, too, like this book called The Secret. Now, I haven't read it, but I know people who have, and I've read reviews of it. My understanding is that it's founded a bit on not just positive thinking, but superstition. That if you bear in mind the image or idea of you driving an expensive car, then that will come to fruition. No particular effort is necessarily involved, aside from the effort to come up with a fantasy and keep thinking about it. Now, don't get me wrong, I've written a listicle or two, but if I do say so myself, my listicles aren't all that fluffy. Also, I've used inspirational sayings, memes, and pictures of puppies and such on my social media. If you follow RLP on Facebook and Twitter, you may have noticed this happening more lately as I try to get the word out, because the fact is that people enjoy and share things like that. But I try to keep them somehow relevant to the things I talk about on RLP. For instance, we know from research that looking at baby animals actually triggers changes in the brain that improve your mood, and I've written an article about that. Here's a key difference between the way I and other people out there competing for your attention work, though. Social media is meant for quick snippets and sound bites, and I'm perfectly okay with that and posting quick, lighthearted things. But what RLP is really all about is contained in these podcasts, in my articles, and in the Right Life Guide. That's where the meat is. The memes and such are just between-meal snacks. But some people out there only offer snacks. And that's because a lot of people only eat snacks. 
Recently, a well-meaning person told me that I really need to adjust my approach to RLP. She said that unless they're unemployed or their lives are in a shambles, people are too busy to spend five or ten minutes reading an article, let alone a whole book. That if I want to reach more people, I need to pare things down and just put out quick bullet points that people can get through in a minute or so and move on. I see things differently, of course, and not just because I enjoy reading and learning and such. Each of us has 24 hours to allocate. The differences lie in how we prioritize the time we have. Some people only make time for the bullet points and memes. Other people like to sink their teeth into topics. And I do think there are more of the former than the latter nowadays. I'm not only talking about self-help topics, either. In general, fluff is more popular than substance. I mean, People magazine has a circulation of 3.75 million, while The New Yorker has a little over a million. Now, I'm not going to say that one is better than the other, but one thing I will say is that they appeal to different parts of the brain, for sure. So it's true that I might be able to spread my message farther and faster if I switched to an all-fluff format, but I'm not going to do that for a couple of reasons. For one, what good would that do? I'd be reaching more people, but with a message that isn't the real one. I actually want to help people. And the hard truth is that simplistic, one-size-fits-all, easy-answer approaches just can't possibly work for organisms as complex as humans, not to mention the complexity that comes from the interaction we have with our unique environments. For another, I'd be doing a disservice to you. If you're investing the time to listen to a whole podcast or read a whole article, then you're not only the kind of person that I want to reach, but also the kind of person I can help. Because you're willing to allocate some time in your life to scratching beneath the surface of what it means to be happy and fulfilled. The reality is that most people aren't willing to do that. And the least I can do in return is try my best to make your investment of time worthwhile. So what's up then with all the easily digestible listicles and books like The Secret? What purpose do they serve? Well, some of them do have good, legitimate information or perspectives, but just without much depth. But I think they often serve other purposes, too. When people share them with other people online or even talk about them in person, they're able to project an image of someone who's interested in living a richer, more fulfilling life, both to others and themselves. And they might even feel that way inside. It's a painless way to appear or feel like someone who wants a better life. But too much superficial content can actually work against your long-term well-being. I mentioned that I've written a few listicles. One of them gave three reasons why listicles can make you unhappy. I'll provide a link to it in the show notes, and I encourage you to check it out. I think it's interesting, but of course I'm biased. In a nutshell, always consuming someone else's distillation of complex issues can lead you to have tunnel vision, distracting you from realizing what may be different and true in your own unique experience. Also, indulging in only fluffy content 
can also just contribute to the sense of being inundated with information all the time. At a certain point, it all just blends together into background noise, limiting the benefit you might obtain by just paying attention to one topic or aspect of your life for a little longer. Think of it like being in a room with four stereos, each one playing one of your favorite songs. Individually, you'd enjoy all of them, but when you're blasted by all of them at once, you can't enjoy any of them. Probably the biggest problem with always indulging in superficial content, though, is that it reinforces the very preferences of your brain that keep you suffering in the long term. An aversion to making effort and doing difficult things, or things that may be unpleasant right now, but that you need to do in order to achieve your full potential. The people who feed that aversion by ignoring anything that isn't a quick fix, well, neither I nor anyone else can do much to help them anyway. So perhaps they're better off with the fluff. Hey, fluffy positive things are at least better than fluffy negative things. So, anyway, similar to The Departed, we all face a choice when it comes to achieving our full potential. Do you want to thrive? Or do you want to appear to be interested in thriving? Because also like in the movie, the real work happens when you care not so much about the surface level. It requires getting in there and getting your hands dirty. Doing things that don't come naturally. Spending time reading or listening to things that help you to understand your life more. That help you make sense of the challenges you face and how to overcome them. And inspire and support you in making the effort to change them. Instead of just talking the talk. That you're listening to me now means you've made your choice, at least this time. So the point of this podcast is to applaud you for that choice and to encourage you to keep it up. Because the society we live in exerts constant pressure to take the easy way out. So stay tuned to me and other people who resonate with you and offer you something deeper. People like us are in the minority, so we have to stick together. So those are my thoughts for today. And I also have an update for you, which is that RLP now has a Twitter account, as I mentioned earlier. It's at RightLifeProj, P-R-O-J, or you can just click to it from the Twitter icon on the RLP website. It's brand new, and I could use some followers, so please head over there and follow me. You can see a few lighthearted things there right now, including pictures from a recent gifting suite I did before the Oscars. A gifting suite is one of those things where the celebrities come by and collect gifts and chat. It was a lot of fun, and I think the pictures are kind of neat. One of the things I gave them and talked with them about was a copy of the Right Life Guide. Now, that was a hard copy of the book, which isn't available for sale right now, but the ebook and audiobook are still available on the website if you sign up for the email list, and they're totally free. If you don't have it already, please head over to the site and get it while you can, because before too long, I'm going to be discontinuing that giveaway. Also, as always, if you could leave a rating and review on iTunes for this podcast, I'd be highly appreciative. So that's all until next time. Thank you very much for tuning in, and pat yourself on the back for it too. Until we meet again, I wish you all the best in your pursuit of your 
right life.